Hello and welcome to Above the Clouds, the Angel City podcast with two homies from the Upper Deck. I'm Jeremy Rist and this is Kyle Scoble. We're your co-hosts who review the home games and talk about everything related to the club's inaugural season. What up? How's it going? Monday, done with work. Monday and done with work, a tremendous feeling. Um, And as this is our first episode and first release of Above the Clouds, Thought we'd give you guys a little bit of a breakdown here on where we're coming from, why we're doing this podcast, and some little background info on the team. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and hand this over to Kyle if you want to tell us a little bit about what your your backstory is, what's your soccer story, you know, how'd we get here? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up uh, outside Seattle playing soccer. Um, I grew up for a club that ended up participating in the what's now the developmental academy actually i don't even know what it is called now but that that's what it was when i was in it um and then i played a little bit in college and then i kind of transitioned to being more of a fan like a lot of us end up doing and um started working writing for urban pitch eventually um i kind of just reached out to them because I was going to a lot of these events and taking a lot of photos and doing video work already for just like my own stuff because I love doing it and mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, why don't I do this and like get in with a press pass essentially. And so I reached yeah. out to urban pitch and they looked at my stuff and they liked it and we started doing it. Cool. And what about like a NWSL story do you have any history with the league in the past women's soccer so my women's soccer experience is really with the national team um they would come to portland to play and so we would drive down from seattle as a family and see them a couple times they came to seattle a couple times um but it was always the national team um and then i left seattle in 2009 for college and nwsl wasn't really happening in a meaningful way that worked for us to get to games and see it and stuff. Um, and so the rain kind of picked up later and after I left and then they were playing down in Tacoma for so long too. So even if I was where I grew up, Tacoma wasn't really realistic for going to games. Um, and then, so I've been in LA since 2009. I couldn't adopt LAFC of the Galaxy. I grew up going to Sounders games. They play in a really accessible stadium, uh, which is now where the rain play. And so I'm just really happy to have Angel City come and have an LA team, kind of my adopted city, and uh, have a team there that I can really say is mine and I want to be a part of. Yeah, gotcha. Um, love that. So when the when the rain... The rain is the Seattle team, right? Yes. Sorry. So when I say rain, it's R E I G N. For those right. of you that are are new to NWSL. Yeah, and they weren't there when you were growing up, so you don't feel like you're stepping on any toes back there. Yeah, it just didn't really happen. Even though they're ballers, and this year they really could actually be the supporter shield winner. <laughs> yeah, because their their big star is um, they got Rapino. Rapino, and they got Megan Fishlock from Wales. I think they got Rose Lavelle too. They do have Rose, and they got some other uh, younger players. They're a very deep squad, uh, mm-hmm. which is why I think people think they'll get the the shield this year. Interesting. 
Right. We'll see though. Yeah. What about um, you? What, what was your what was your entry into soccer and then NWSL? Yeah, so soccer was kind of like my first love, um, my first sport that I really like started playing and fell in love with. Um, I I played um, center mid and and outside mid mostly. Started out outside mid, moved to like center mid, so always kind of midfielder, just running down up up and around the field. Um, thought I wanted to play in college, but tore my ACL in tryouts. And so um, kind of gave up on the continuing to play dream. And I've just had really bad luck with the knee injuries since then. So I don't really play that much nowadays, um, but I do want to stay close to the game. Um, and that is one of the things that brought me to Urban Pitch. Um, when I was here in Los Angeles, a friend of mine told me that Urban Pitch was a cool website. He knew somebody that had also worked there and, uh, you know, I went and checked it out. I went to the old base and, you know, really liked the vibe of the place and the art and the people were cool as hell and the parties were fun. Um, and the different story assignments were awesome. Got to meet a lot of really cool people through that. Um, and, you know, obviously that's where we connected to, which is really cool. Um, and just getting a chance to be close to the game was awesome. Um, being out here in Los Angeles, kind of soccer makes me feel at home. So I'm originally from Durham, North Carolina, a big Duke fan. And um, as far as my soccer background, a huge story was my little brother actually ended up playing in college at Georgetown. And then his fifth year got a chance to play for Duke. So we had this amazing full circle moment um, where I was the proud older brother going to these Duke home games and, and cheering my ass off for him. So something I look forward to doing this year, just cheering my ass off for Angel City, but I, I've had a lot of good practice recently doing that. So I've, I know I'm going to bring it this season. Good. Um, as far as NWSL goes, um, we used to go to Carolina Courage games back in the day. Um, they had Birgit Prinz, this big German forward um, who was an absolute beast on the field. Always fun to watch. Always a competitive team. Great stadium out there. Grass, you know, nice stands and everything. Courage games would be packed out and it's a good soccer only stadium. And, uh, you know, when you get a good full feeling stadium, it's just, it's a great feeling to be at a soccer game. So I'm really like looking forward to that for this year. Another great grass field soccer only stadium. Um, you know, a lot of ticket sales early on, including both of us, um, being full-time season ticket holders. So we'll be at all the games and, and bringing the noise and making sure it's the fun environment. We'll be wearing our day one scarves. That's right. <laughs> I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the scarf with the pockets. So you want to talk about uh, why we're doing the podcast and the story behind the name? How'd we come up with Above the Clouds? Well, Above the Clouds is technically your idea, but yeah. I love it. It's a playoff where we're sitting in the stadium. It's a play off the name of the team. And it's a play off hip hop, which I think is both of our favorite genres. And I think it just works. I think it's a vibe that we connect with too. So if you didn't get that, we're going to be in the upper deck. I think we're actually kind of on opposite ends of the field though. Um, you're more towards the, the north end with the 3252, right? Um, I think I'm three. 317 or 318, but I'm not exactly sure like what 
part of the stadium that is. And then I think I'm 321. I think I'm more center, almost a little on the other end of the halfway line. Okay. Well, we'll we'll have it all spread out so we can get all vantage points, all the angles. Um, Because yeah, another thing that we really want to do with this podcast is just break down the game, um, and you know really get into like what's happening on the field. We're both big time soccer nerds. So we really want to um, talk about what's happening and what we're seeing out there and um, things that we like, things that we don't like, you know, just giving general coverage to this team. I mean, it's going to be an incredible inaugural season. Expectations are high, um, but I think they should be. Um, LAFC obviously came into LA and started very hot very quickly and played some epic games and made their run and they've been relevant ever since um no reason to think that this team can't as well um and i did hear a nice stat from the team founder owner natalie portman that only uh four percent of sports coverage is dedicated to women's sports and that's the thing that we're kind of getting involved with here of just like you know, really talking about the game and giving some coverage to, you know, these superstar athletes. It's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a fun season. And, you know, I think we're going to be learning a lot about the team and women's game in general. And I think that'll uh, hopefully be fun for the, for you listeners as well as to come along with us. Yeah. And so since this is our first episode, um, why don't we talk a little bit about the origins of Angel City FC um, you want to take this away? What do you know about how this, this whole team came about? Well, we have how many approximate owners? It's 20, it's like 20 it's owners, literally around like 50 now or something like <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're not even all on the website. Yeah. <laughs> Karen um, Nortman, Natalie Porter, and Alexis Ohani, and Uzo Aduba, Christina Aguilera, Shannon Box, Rachel Bueller, Sophia Bush, Jessica. I mean, it goes on and on. The, I think Fawcett, the impressive, really Fowdy. The impressive <laughs> Jennifer part Garner. for me is like, it's it's music, it's actors, it's other athletes in other sports, it's mm-hmm. women's soccer legends, mm-hmm. like. They have, they they literally have it all, you know? I mean, like, this ownership group can call any company. They can reach out to any personality that they want to mm-hmm. and get a conversation in a, in a sit-down meeting. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. I don't think there's many other clubs in North America that can really say that to the degree they can purely from just an ownership group. No, yeah. I mean, I think if you remember, like, LAFC was, like, it was a big deal that, like, just Will Ferrell was involved in the ownership group. Yeah. You know, and now they're boasting, like, and Angel City has, like, 20-plus, because it really does seem, from the research I've done, this is basically, like, a Natalie Portman pet project, like, dream that she had that she kind of started concepting and, like, started to bring a couple people in and almost like a good music festival it's like when you get a little bit of momentum and you get a couple big names, people are like, oh, they're, those two are going to be there. Those three are going to be there. Like, I'm trying to get on the bill, you know, and like, it's just been snowballing ever since. Candace Parker, PK Subban, like. And it, and it helps when the second largest market in the United States doesn't have a team at that moment in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, a fun fact, too, is this is the first majority women owned NWSL team in the league. Um, and last season was definitely 
another successful one for the NWSL, but it was a little bit tarnished um, with some off the field issues kind of, uh, you know, of the Weinstein variety of these kind of sketchy owners um, and even some coaches too, just being creeps and like, you know, getting them out of the game and making sure that, you know, every, all the players are comfortable and that, you know, we're not like fostering toxic work environments at the same time as like trying to get women's soccer to really like pop off and become like professionally viable and successful here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's crazy that, you know, we need to work and make sure that these women are going to work to feel safe. Yeah. Um, and kind of in that, in that vein, another storyline I think that's worth talking about this uh, Angel City team is how they are, you know, ambitiously building both like a team and a brand um, with what do you have the figures on like sponsorship money. So they Angel City has thirty five million dollars in contracted sponsorship revenue, according to the president of the club, Julie Ehrman. It's deals with DoorDash for the main kit, Birdies on the sleeve, and Sprouts on the back of shirt. Mm -hmm. um, and that's before they've played a single game. Mm -hmm. I, I'd be surprised if any MLS team is making that much off their jerseys. I mean, I know for a fact the Sounders aren't, and they're one of the bigger clubs. They're getting a lot of national games, so I would imagine they're on the higher end for sponsorship. Well, and like, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I almost think that like the MLS has often had the aesthetic of like, we're only going to allow one advertisement yeah. per Jersey. And like, in that sense was trying to preserve some sort of like, we don't want to look like we're pimping out these players and like yeah. lessening their opportunity to make money through advertising, which is kind of like strange for a game in such a capitalist society that we are going to be out here trying to limit opportunities to make money and then complain about how the league's not making money. Well, I mean, you know, go ahead. And well, that's their big argument every CBA on why they can't increase the salary caps because they say they're not making money yet and they're all losing money and they're not getting anything in the return yet. And I think this right. is just <laughs> crazy that they don't allow stuff like, a back of shirt sponsor. Wild. I mean, and one of the things that we, one of the first articles we worked on together for Urban Pitch was examining uh, some of the successes that the NWSL had had um, a couple years back with how they expanded to the Twitch platform yeah. to stream some of their games in addition to also using like Twitter and um, some other just ways that kind of to both of us jumped out as like you know, impressively creative to try and get your product out in a space that people will be able to like see and watch it in ways that the MLS has kind of like never really seemed to aggressively want to do. Yeah. And one of, I think both of our issues with that league is kind of like both stunting your growth and complaining about stunted growth. And at least kind of what we get from the NWSL is like women who earnestly want to build and grow the sport and are being creative about how they want to accomplish that. Yeah. Totally. So another interesting storyline here too, that we have with angel city in, in uh, respects to kind of these storylines that we'll be following throughout the season is that 
Um, they have a creative deal where players are getting 1% of the ticket sales if they opt into a specific program um, for the team. What do you think about that model? I think it's just super progressive. And I think it just says a lot about the club that they're willing to go through the effort of doing it and setting it up. And, you know, you're, people are going to say 1% isn't much, but like that adds up when the minimum salary in the league is like $40,000. Mm-hmm. Like that little couple G's, I'm sure it'll be at the end of the season payout or something. Like that's going to be a vacation. That's going to be an extra long something, something for them. Yeah. Maybe like a new car or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a down payment on a car. It's paying off a car. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I love it. I love giving giving players like stake in the club and making them feel like, I mean, this is, we don't need to get into economics here, but this is uh, very up my alley as far as like, you know, giving people the idea of ownership on the work that they do. Um, and also kind of like giving players both like, you know, an opportunity, but also a responsibility to kind of like help us get people in the seats here. Yeah. And like, there's something in it for you too. And as a fan, it's really rewarding, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel a lot better about the season. Well, the season ticket prices are great to begin with <laughs> before yeah. we go too far. But yeah. it, it's, you know, it's going to be a lot easier to swallow a rate, uh, ticket price increase when it comes because they will be. But yeah. it just feels better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think so far it's definitely safe to say that we're both, like, pretty impressed with the work that the team has done in – getting a, I mean, incredibly impressive ownership group, um, inc incredibly impressive model of how the players are going to get paid and have an opportunity to get paid. Um, they're also doing a lot of community work just through their Instagram. I've seen them out there a lot, trying to ingratiate themselves to the Los Angeles scene. Um, they're handing out sports bras, they're cleaning up beaches. Um, so they're definitely you know, coming in and trying to make an impact and, you know, really build this brand and kind of start to become something that's like bigger than just a sports team. So, you know, incredibly ambitious, but that is one of the major storylines as we go into this season is like Angel City FC is trying to do it different. Trying to do it differently. And they're, you know, they're really trying to embody, you know, what we love and romanticize about soccer, which is the, mm -hmm. the, the clubs have that cultural and that socio sociocultural cultural side of them. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just super cool that they're just going for it in, in ways that no other club in, in America is right now, men's or women's. Um, Absolutely. You know, and it, yeah, so it's just so fun to be involved and, and a part of it. Yeah. And I'd say that that'll transition us well into um, the next part of the episode here that I wanted to talk about, which was the current squad and the roster build that's going on everything that we just described seems to also perfectly describe the main superstar and the first signing um, that Angel City FC made that really started to give this team momentum and make it seem like this crazy idea from Natalie Portman would, would really be successful. And that is, of course, drum roll, please. Kristen Press. Booyah. What do you think? I mean, 
first signing, I mean, that's just star power. I mean, that, and that's back to replicating kind of, you know, how LAFC was able to get the momentum going earlier, early with the Vela signing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, Carlos you, Vela, yeah. You don't get that much bigger than Christian Press in the American market right now. Mm-hmm. From name recognition, recent performance, I mean, like Tokyo, every, you know, it's, it's great. It's <laughs> the best you can do. Yeah. And they totally rode the wave. They've signed a bunch of international players. They've signed a bunch of other exciting players that, like, within the league, I think a lot of people feel should be getting more minutes and be getting a chance to start mm-hmm. and probably will be on Angel City. And so I think you're getting a lot of just league-wide fans are, you know, interested and perked up about the team and, and what they could be. Absolutely. Yeah, and I wanted to make one more comment on on Kristen before we move on to the other players too, is that, you know, all the off the field stuff that we're describing in a positive way of what the team is looking to represent and everything is also something I think off the field, Kristen Press has been a big part of the lawsuit, you know, to Mm -hmm. get equal pay. She's the founder of her own like fashion company along with Rapino. Um, Tobin Heath and I think Klingenberg too. So they're also like doing impressive things in the fashion world. Um, and then she, you know, took time off from mental health. She just did an article in GQ, um, describing, you know, why she did that and, you know, what the process was. And I mean, having looked at the article a little earlier today, like she's, there's not a bad thing in there. I mean, she's on point the entire time. I, like, this is the exact kind of answers that I would want a person giving who just took a um, mental health break. I mean, it just seems like she's got, she really took the time to like clear her head and came back and, you know, I think she's ready to rock and it seems like the time off is probably only going to benefit her. Without a doubt. Knock on I wood. think it's exactly what she needed. She clearly... Uh, took the time to digest stuff that needed to be digested and is ready now to get back into playing because you can't really play with a lot of stuff on your mind. It just doesn't just doesn't yeah. work for extended amounts of time. You can't do entire seasons that way. Yeah. Um, and for anyone interested, I think we definitely recommend you go check out the GQ um, interview that she did because she is just dropping gems the whole time. Um, stuff that really makes you think and uh, gets me inspired to go out there and be a better person. <laughs> and it's on their website. You don't need to buy the magazine to read it, which is the best part. Nice, nice. Um, so the other key pieces for this roster, um, I think initially when incepted, um, any any Aluko, am I getting that name right? Who put the put the team together um i saw her on nbc sports the other day in the in the studio aluko um she uh i think she was thinking press julie ertz and sarah gordon are gonna be like her three you know pillars of the team right um it unfortunately looks like we may have already lost both ertz and gordon um for the season and so basically we're gonna be rocking with Kristen press but I think there's worse problems we could have. Definitely, yeah, definitely worse problems to have, but definitely not what you want entering your first ever season uh, Mm -hmm. of not having kind of two out of the three pillars for the squad. 
Yeah. Um, Ertz hasn't signed with the team yet. Um, we have her rights for the NWSL, but it doesn't sound like she's looking to sign anywhere else. It just sounds like it's an extended rehab, possibly, probably related to her back. Um, okay. But I haven't even seen a timetable uh, on her return, have you? No, I, I haven't, and I don't think... Um... I don't think anybody has. I mean, basically, I've just seen rumors that like it's uh, going to be an extra kind of like time off for rehab, um, and I think that's that's also what we're getting from uh, Sarah Gordon here too. Is also just kind of not a whole lot of information, but looking like it's going to need to be more time off for rehab. Um, I mean, best case scenario with both of these is probably that we're missing them for a short period of time and then they come back or, you know, worst case scenario, which really isn't even that bad would just be like this season's a no go, but they're back for next year. Um, anytime that they come back to the team, we'll be adding some serious firepower um, and shoring up the back line. And I'm pretty sure when they're available, they'll be starting like they're that type of player. Yeah, definitely. Sarah Gordon was up for Defender of the Year last year. She played every minute of every game for Chicago, who made the final. Um, I mean, so she played literally every possible minute of the season last year. Yeah. So, any other notable names on the on the roster? Um, anybody else that jumps out to you? Or you want to say something, some stuff about? Yeah, we have. Um, we do have other defenders that are solid. I mean, we actually have three other internationals across the back line. Allison Swabi, who's a Jamaican international, and she was just playing in the She Believes Cup. Um, Ali Riley for New Zealand, who ended up actually being our captain in the first uh, Challenge Cup game this past weekend against the San Diego Wave. And then uh, Vanessa Giles who is a Canadian international and was also recently playing in the She Believes Cup. Um, so some some good talent across the back line, even though Sarah Gordon's down. Um, and then funnily enough, actually, it was another player who's normally listed as an attacker who ended up playing our right back, but uh, we, we can get there later. <laughs> sure, or, yeah. Um, who... What, what do you want to move on to? I was going to quickly get a, back to goalkeeper. Oh, sure. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Didi uh, Heracic is probably going to be the starter for the full season. Uh, she started this past weekend. Um, she actually played under the coach Freya Coom last year at uh, in the past couple of years at uh, Gotham, New York, New okay. Jersey. Yeah. So they're familiar with each other. And Didi did last year's Challenge Cup for Gotham and played really well, and they made the final. Okay. Um, so it's not uh, not an unknown quantity we're getting in, in the goalkeeper, even though she might not have as many starts as we'd like to see for someone. Yeah, and she also recently did the Urban Pitch podcast. Shout out to Urban Pitch for that interview. Um, it's a good one. She's also a professional photographer, so that's pretty cool. Um, and uh yeah, LA's I mean, a good she, place for photos. Uh, LA's a good well, place for photos. Yeah, she's on a team that that seems like they're gonna like that too. So, um, hopefully, you know, she's the rock that we want her to be back there um, at goalkeeper. Um, anybody else you want to highlight from from the roster? Um, other international players. We have uh, a Brazilian 
Stephanie for Van Ginkle, uh, which is uh, not the most typical Brazilian name you'll hear. Pretty funny name, yeah. <laughs> um, other internationals, uh, we have June Endo, who I think could be kind of a steal and maybe are like under underrated unsung hero of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. She's 21 um, and already has 20 caps for Japan, which is a really good national team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she looked real sharp in the first game of She Believes. Um, she was passing really well. Uh, she just looked really quick. She didn't look like she was catching up to the game for a young player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you'd love so to see it. Fun. Yeah. Um, and then should we just go through the starting lineup from Saturday? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, let's, probably, go, let's see who we are. Um, probably going to give wanted, us the, the best idea. Yeah, I wanted to go ahead and um, talk about Tyler Lucy up top, who, okay. they, who they had there at um, starting at center forward. Um, you know, looked good. I mean, I saw the highlights of the game. Definitely, like, missed a couple opportunities, so we're going to need her to not be getting close, but actually, like, scoring these goals. Um, because if we're doing a four three three and she's the forward in the middle, um, I just don't think there's any way around the fact that like you need that person scoring a ton of goals. So, you know, hopefully Endo on the right, Lucy in the middle with press on the left. I mean, press and Endo should be cooking most games and they should be producing tons of opportunities. And so someone's going to need to put them away. And it looks like that person tasked with that job has been um, Tyler Lucy. I I do am a little bit worried about that, knowing what her goal scoring record has been in the past. Um, yeah. I don't think she's really been a force up top, but um, no. I don't know if we can expect people to just be, you know, Ashley Hatch immediately or something. I can't think of other kind of like point forwards at this point that are doing it. I mean, you know, Wambach, the perennial, woman that you would think of as being like the center forward, even Birgit Prince, who I named drop earlier. Um, I think like having a big center forward target, um, especially in the women's game is something that just generates tons of easy opportunities and goals from, from headers and from set pieces and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, I, you know, who knows if Lucy ends up being the uh, starter at center forward for the entire season, but, um, I, I mean, from the highlights, I think her movement definitely looked good. You just look at 48 to 46 appearances last year and only five goals. Um, I'm wondering if that's the person that we really need in, in center forward. But um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's going to kind of be the, the, the big question for the offense is, is she able to, to get it done or are we able is she able to create opportunities then? But it doesn't seem like she's that kind of player based on, you know, albeit only one game. Um, mm-hmm. That's not the way she was playing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a post up, play the ball into me and I'll lay it off and, and play people through kind of stuff. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's going to be uh, ride or die with her in, in, in a lot of games. But, mm-hmm. but that's why you get a player like Kristen. Who can just take over, yeah. get it done. That's why you get a young player like Endo. When she's hot, 
get her the ball. She's going to have games where she's going to do it, and then she might disappear for a couple, but that's what you get from a young player, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that's where the entire roster build comes into it. So we'll... Right. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, and, you know, uh, Jasmine Spencer, who normally is an attacker but ended up playing right back, is probably another woman who could end up getting up there if we need her to be. But, again, she's more of a wide, winger. She's a wide player. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I don't I – don't, I, I guess I don't know who else – who comes in next for Lucy if she's struggling. Yeah, exactly. And I think we'll, we'll just basically have to wait and see. Like, hopefully we don't encounter that. So in uh, the spirit of that, we'll move on um, to midfield players. I know that I saw Savannah McCaskill make a couple good passes. Um, it looks like we're going with Kari Ricaro as well. Mm-hmm. And um, who's the third there? Danny Weatherholt. Danny Weatherholt. Um, what do you know McCaskill about McCaskill who actually got the goal as well. McCaskill got the goal. Shout out. She was probably the most active midfielder, I would say. Yeah. Um, Last night or two nights ago. I um, think she also made an incredible pass that I saw um, over to Kristen Press, who hit a left, left-footed left volley. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. McCaskill drove that ball like 60 yards in the air. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah so she's was, got a foot. That was a dime. Foot. Yeah. So, and then Danny's got a lot of appearances for Orlando. Mm-hmm. She's, a, she's a legit starter. Okay. Yeah. She's probably played pretty much every game they have had for the past couple of years. Okay. All right. Um, so that's good. So we got a we got a couple certified starters. I know we also drafted Lily Nabbit from Duke. Um, excited about her. Um, she did a nice interview with Urban Pitch as well, too. So encourage you guys to go check that out. Um, but yeah, we had we had wondered about our midfield. Um, but I don't know, after the first game, how are you feeling? I feel good. Like yeah. that that was good. They moved the ball. They were they were running well. They were defending pretty well. You know, there's no glaring issues in the way the game played. There's obviously mistakes at times. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there was any uh, aspect that they really fell flat on. And mm-hmm. um, so that was great. And you know, I mean, Casco was all over the place. She's great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, and then what do we know about the coach? So we got Freya Coom. Um, looks like she with uh, Sky Blue for a bit. New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. Mm-hmm. Last couple seasons, I guess, kind of like tasked with getting that program going. And now she's, I guess, doing the same thing with Angel City. Um, yeah, she's not like, afraid to take on a project, I don't think. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it seems like the person for the job, you know, yeah. um, if she already recently did a, a similar thing in New York, um, the way Didi talked about her on the interview with urban pitch was very positive. Um, so yeah, if we got a coach that has the trust of the locker room, um, has experience that people believe in has reason for people to be paying attention to them. Um, let's see what happens. Yeah. I know that Gotham played a four-three-three last year, so like she's got her style of play, and she's got a you know a way that she wants the women to play soccer, and I think that's mm-hmm. really important too. I don't, I get a little lukewarm on coaches that are all about adaptability. I think it's important to have a way you want to play and a style that you want to impose, and I definitely think Freya has that, um, which I'm personally excited for. Absolutely, yeah. 
And what, yeah, that's what we want to see. We want to see attacking football. We want to see, um, you know, we want to see end to end action. Um, we want to see players, you know, giving a shit. Organized. Want to see know. organization. Yeah, absolutely. Want to see team working out there. And, and, you know, the first night was outside of a win, I think as well, went as well as you could ask. Um, we got a goal. We got the first goal. Um, we looked good. Um, no injuries during the game. No one looked out of place. No one looked out of sorts. Um, if anything, I'd say we looked better. I mean, we had two crossbars. Yeah, I remember you told me you were like, uh, yeah, Kristen pressed first touch. She just went at some girl, beat her, and then ripped a shot off the 18. And that was like the first highlight that I saw. I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah, six she's- minutes in. Six like, minutes right. in, she's ready to go. Let's um, go. And that's that's what we're excited about from yeah. her, too. I mean, like, she's the kind of forward with pace and power um, that's pretty rare to find. So, you know, you want those people on your team not playing against them. But, um, yeah, I mean, Trinity Rodman looks to be kind of cut from the press cloth. Totally. Um, and, like, totally. that's the kind of forward that we already have you know, in press. So as these younger girls are coming up, you know, press is going to have to show what, why she's the most baddest. I mean, I think that's a great point. You know, I think if you ask any fan, if they could take one player from a team, who would they get? Most people would say Trinity right now. And I think Angel City is probably the only team that can resoundingly say not Trinity. Yeah. Like we'll stick with what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, anything else for, for hopes and wants for the first season? What can we expect from Kyle this first season? Oof. What are, are you, um, you going to be bringing it? I'm going to be bringing it. Um, we can expect probably... Actually, you know what? I don't know exactly what I want to bring to this table just yet. I think this is <laughs> an opportunity to be uh, a, a new kind of fan if I want to be. Not that I... Uh, oh, you're going to reinvent yourself. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I think... We're going to leave the drunken white male at home? <laughs> Definitely going to leave the drunken white male at home. Um, we're going to bring in the stoned... Uh... <laughs> the, the chill <laughs> L.A. white guy. Hey, man, no. we're all winners here. Yeah, if you, yeah, we're all winners here. No, um, we we're going to be in the upper deck. We're going to be watching the game. I think I'm excited to really kind of approach this in, you know, from a tactical side just as much as a fandom side mm-hmm. um all your hometown teams it's all emotional now at this point because you've been watching it since a kid you, you, it's, yeah it's, it's hard to really separate yourself away and do pure tactics with your home absolutely yeah and so doing it now and getting this new team as an adult we kind of can do that and i actually yeah. am really yeah. excited for that opportunity um and it's actually I think a this great podcast point. is yeah. part of that that's a great point. I was talking to people about um, about Duke. I'm a huge Duke fan because of where I come from and how nuts my family is about it. Um, and everyone seems to have this perspective and vision and kind of overview of this Duke team that I can never possibly have. It's all too emotional. It's all too much like passion base for me. Like I, you know, we miss a shot and I feel like we're the worst team in the world. We hit a shot. I feel like we're the greatest team in the world, you know, it really, yeah. I'm like biting every single nail and bloody stub of my fingers during these games because I'm, I'm too emotional. I'm too into it. Um, 
and man, I mean, even talk about the difference that I've seen between like the crazy East Coast sports fans that I grew up with and this LA style of watching games. I mean, it is way more laid back here. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that. It's just a different style. So I do think it's probably something that we'd be more wise to adopt instead of maybe bringing the full psycho to the show. Um, we bring the half psycho and then we bring the half academic, you know, tactical engineers to the table um i mean i think it will be fun it will be a party but yeah i I don't think that it's actually going to be trying to like foster the turn-up atmosphere of the lafc fan section with like chucking beers in the air after every goal and you know that type of stuff i think i do think it'll be a little bit more tame a little bit more family friendly um a little more kind of like watch it with the loud cursing, you know, at the game and stuff like that. But, um, you know, but it's going to be a beautiful stadium and it's going to be a beautiful atmosphere. Um, and you know, with a team like this and with the mission and like the feminist angle that the franchise is kind of like coming from and trying to like embody and symbolize, like, I think it'd probably be right for us to like, you know, come in a little quieter and respectful first before we really get what this atmosphere is all about and what they're looking for, you know, from their fans. Yeah, I think that's a that nails it. You know, I think we definitely are coming in from this as, you know, letting the team and and the community decide and figure it out. And then we'll kind of join in. Yeah. I think that's great. And if, if there's, you know, something I love too is also just kind of like, keeping that stoic face on going absolutely nuts on the inside. And then I save it for the podcast when we (laughs) hop on this thing and I just word vomit and like, let it all come out and just be like, I can't believe, you know? Right. Exactly. It'll make it easier to keep it in in control, knowing that we're going to have this opportunity. Yeah. Let me tell you, I did not do that when my brother played at Duke. (laughs) Uh, I left it. I left it all there in the stands, you know? My I mean, brother's out there on the field giving his all. I was I was in the fan in the stands giving him my damn all too. <laughs> no one in my house watches soccer or the Sounders with me anymore. When, when we first started living together, they'd always come watch the games with me, and now no one comes because I just I'm not. You're not fun. Watch. Yeah, I, yeah, it's just not fun. It's too yeah, intense, man. Exactly. So I get it. I that is so it. funny. Um, well, all right. Let's let people know when and where we're going to be dropping this stuff and, uh, you know, let these people get back to their days. So in a, in a when and where one thing we really are excited for, and I know we've mentioned this off air, but the schedule of the NWSL being, um, symmetrical and Mm -hmm. you play everyone home and away is so exciting. Yeah. That's dope. That's the way it should be. It's the way it should be. Oh my gosh. Um, so we're going to be doing our episodes after every home game. Mm-hmm. It's going to give us a nice chance to recap a couple away games, most likely, maybe one, maybe two. Later in the season, there's going to be a long stretch, so we might do an emergency episode, depending on how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. But uh, pretty much, I think we're going to be trying to do it, probably getting it published by the Wednesday after a home game on 
the weekend. I think this Monday night time is nice. It, it gives me something to do and think about for Mondays. I can get through them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. I get <laughs> a serious to case of Mondays. To. I'm not going to lie. Mondays are not my day. So They hit you hard. They do. Man. They used to hit me harder when I had a commute. I'll tell you, this, this work-from-home life has made Mondays just really you know soften what? the blow. It, it might be because I travel across the city of Los Angeles every single morning and every single evening. Uh, that's it, dude. Uh, I think we're starting to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> I did it to myself. I can't. I have no one to be mad at except me. No, no. You, you got a cool job. You're working for the NFL. I am. I love it. It'll be great. Yeah. Maybe one day it'll be for Angel City's video team. We'll see. Hey, something to something to shoot for. But the more that we uh, stay plugged in and the more that we follow this team, I do think like the more opportunities will open up. I don't really think we know exactly what to expect. And I think one of the things that I'm probably most excited about is this kind of like first year ambitious club. Like, you know, we're kind of doing, I mean, you also do great documentary work, I know. Um, and we're kind of just documenting, you know, this process as we're going out and, and checking out what's happening. And I think like, there's just going to be so many storylines that start developing that we can't even really anticipate right now. Can't wait to see what happens. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to be so much fun. I, that's a great way to put it. We're going to be documenting this first season and uh, we just know something special is going to happen. It's in the air. We're your Chike and Cootie for Angel City FC. <laughs> We're just not dropping everything and moving. We're kind of already here. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs>